Blog Talk Radio. She was there, fantastic. We had 
Frank Anderson from Chicago. He's the president of Black Skeptics Chicago, and he was wonderful as well. And, I mean, everybody did a great job. Let me see here. We had Don Barbera. We had Donald Wright. We had Dadlin Mai. We had Emmeline. We had Frank Anderson. And, of course, the one and only Raina Rhodes. And she did a bang-up job as well. As a matter of fact, if you all didn't get a chance, um, she wrote a blog and released it yesterday. And it's talking about safe places for people of color. And Raina's on the line with me now. And she was part of the um, webcast today. And we just had not only was it a great conversation, we enjoyed each other, and we enjoyed bringing that information to you, you know, just really mm-hmm. excited what the future holds and what's to come in store. As a matter of fact, you know, these pot, these webcasts will be coming at you once a month, and last week, um, I mean last month, we did our first one. Had a couple of technical glitches, but we got that worked out. This month, you know, just came to you this morning, and it was great. Next month, January 19th, 2014, mark your calendars, Sunday, January 19th, 2014, the moderator will be anti-intellect. So the information for that webcast, we'll be releasing that this week, and we're looking forward. And, again, it will be the same time, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. So, again, that's Sunday, January 19, 2014, and the moderator will be the one and only anti-intellect. So we're definitely looking forward to that. And, you know, a few more shows for um, black free thinkers. You know, of course, they were going to be talking about coming out as an atheist, humanist, nonbeliever, free thinker, infidel, whatever title, you know, you, you call yourself. And we'll be talking about that, just a continuation of, you know, the discussion that took place this morning. Next week, we'll be having our Festivus um, show. So it will be the airing of grievances. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We ask that you call out, you call in, and join us, you know, you know, in that conversation. And that will be December 22nd. So on December 29th, I will have Fannin Hutchinson on with us, and that's Dr. Hutchinson's brother, and we'll be talking about um, his reality TV show that, you know, um, that he's putting together and is positive, talking about the positive things that men are doing in Los Angeles, and it promises to be a very lively discussion. So, again, Sunday, December 29th, we'll have Fannin Hutchinson on, and, you know, just looking forward to that. On January 12th, the one and only Dr. Anthony Penn will be on with us as well. So, you know, again, Sunday, January 12th, 2014, Anthony Penn will be on the show with us, and we are looking forward to all of this. So I just kind of wanted to give you an update, and we're going to start our new series, you know, soon. So I don't want you guys thinking that I forgot about that. I have it all written down. It's just it's the end of the year wanted to, you know, end it on a real light but yet positive note, and that's what we're doing. So next year we're going to come at you. We're going to hit you hard. we got a lot of new topics. And just to kind of fill you in on what's happening, you know, next year, February, the weekend of Valentine's Day weekend, February 14th through 16th, we will have our virtual online conference. So in February, we won't bring you one webcast. We're going to bring you three days of goodness. So it's going to start that Friday evening, and on Saturday all day we'll have 
um, com- different panels there. And on Sunday, we'll have different panels as well. So this is our way of giving back to you, our supporters, the people out here. You all encourage us. You motivate us. And we just want to say thank you. This is our way of thanking you and letting you know that you're not here. You know, you're not out here all alone. You're not by yourself. You have us with you. You know, we have the same stories. You know, each story is different, but some of us have, you know, um, similar experiences. And so we want to share this with you. But, yeah, it's going to be three days of absolute wealth virtual goodness, you know, Valentine's Day weekend. So, you know, it's just more information about that is upcoming, but we have several panels um, that, you know, are going to be taking place, and, you know, it's absolutely phenomenal. Our webcast for March is Women's Month. So more information about that will be coming up as well. Dr. Hutchison will be moderating that particular webcast. So, guys, you know, it's a bunch of things happening. The end of April, April 25th and 26th, People of Color Beyond Faith will be sending representatives to Morgan State University for their Philosophical Atheists and Communities of Faith conference. So that will be Friday and Saturday, April 25th and 26th. So we're asking you all to come out and support us. Um, We're sending Dr. Hutchinson. I know I will be there and Raina will be there. And we may have a couple more people. We're working on the details for that. But, you know, we want you to come out and be a part of that. October 11th and 12th of 2014, we will be having our physical conference. So this is where we can all get together and, you know, have different panels and, you know, um, you know, eat, take pictures, do all of that fun stuff. But October 11th and 12th of 2014 in Los Angeles, California, as a matter of fact, is going to be at CFI LA. So, you know, start saving your money up. I started telling you all about this last October, trying to give you a year advance notice because we want to see you. We want to meet you. We want to meet all of these people who are sending us these wonderful emails and inboxes and calling the show and supporting, you know, the webcast. You know, we care about you, and we do want to meet you, and we do want to spend some time with you. So, you know, and there are other events that are coming up through the year um, 2014, and we're finalizing and making arrangements. But those are the ones that are definitely on the table now. There's a couple of surprises coming up next year, and I am just absolutely thrilled to be a part of this community. And, you know, I, I thank you for allowing me to, you know, come to you every week and, you know, just thank you. You just have no idea how grateful I am to be in the midst of such wonderful people. You know, we care about you. So, that goes Aww. so much stuff. Look at her being all humble and stuff. Oh. That's so cute. <laughs> hey, we got Emily and Mario on the line. Let me see here. Did I, I pull Mario into this? Yeah, Emily and Mario, are you there? I'm here. All right. Mario back there somewhere. You got yourself on mute, darling. I'm, but, I'm um, here. I'm here. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Say M and Evil meets the Free Thinkers and the RSS feed. So there you go. But um, man, today's webcast was absolutely phenomenal. You all gave some wonderful, wonderful input. And we got Mario will be on one of these panels in February, so he just got to pull that truck over for a minute and, you know, hang out with us for a little while. But, um, yeah, so you know. 
Hey, Phil Mario, we'll start with you today. Since you didn't get a chance to, you know, be with us this morning, but, you know, the, you know, when did you come out as an atheist, and, you know, what <clears throat> impact did that have on your relationships with your friends and family? Um, I actually came out maybe four or five years ago, and in hindsight, being 2020, I think I actually was an atheist for a lot longer than that. But um, um, when I first announced it, I noticed a drop in my friends list on Facebook. Um, I hadn't to- told my grandmother at the time, but my uh, siblings, being the little stitches that they were, told her before I did, and she was disappointed, her being Jehovah's Witness, she uh, was current, concerned that she may have to stop talking to me. Uh, and the, uh, you know, the luck of that was that I have never been baptized. So um, if, if I had lost my grandmother to that cult, man, I'd have been much more of a raising asshole atheist than I am now. But <laughs> she, uh, you know, um, you know, to me, anybody who dropped me for saying that I'm an atheist was never really my friend, so it was no sweat off my back. My my continuing problem though is is my family and my brother and uh, my brother especially because uh, uh, he's kind of on this kind of sanctified idea and whatnot. Though I don't see much impact or change in his life, and my grandmother still feels the need to try to talk to me about it occasionally. So I'm expecting to have to hear hear an earful next month when I go back up to see her. <laughs> All right, excellent. But she still makes you those tea cakes, so she still loves you. Get the biscuits and the tea cakes when you go home. So there you go. Uh, it's banana pudding. It's banana pudding. Yeah, 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 yeah. She'll right. hook you up. <laughs> and for those of you that are listening, if you want to call in, the dial-in number is three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. Again, that's three one zero nine eight two four two seven three, and press one if you would like to speak with us. But Emily, you care to share any more of your story with us today? Um, I mean, um, it's like I was saying in the podcast, it was a gradual, lifelong journey of just me seeing having like major breakthroughs, but being too mired in my religious life and my church life to really break free. My breaking point actually had was not church related at all. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, there's a French film called Irreversible by the director Gaspar Noé. Um, he's yeah. a talented French director. Um, he makes a lot of great films. Um, the movie basically is called Irreversible for two reasons. Um, because there are things in life that happen to you that you can't go back, you can't take back, and you can't undo. And the second reason is because the movie's filmed in reverse chronology. But anyway, yeah. just so the, the just so the part of the movie is that a woman is brutally raped and her boyfriend and ex-boyfriend team up to get revenge on the person who did it. Now, as the movie progresses, we see things, everything that happened before then. And you, it, just come, it just makes the whole situation that much more traumatic. But what all the, the viewing audience sees in the movie is right before the rape is about to happen, there's a man that comes, and he's, like, standing about 20 feet away. And he could do something to help her, but he actually just stands there. He takes the scene in, and he walks away. And, yeah. And I was, I was so angry. I'm like, this dude, I can't believe this dude did nothing. He just walked away. And after days of, like, because this is a movie that sticks with you. So after days of, like, venting personally about this movie, I just had an epiphany, and I'm like, God does this 
every single day. Why am I mad at this dude? Yeah. It's just a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. He does this every day, every time someone is raped and molested. What am I mad about for this dude that's in a movie? Movies exactly. aren't even based on a true story. Why am I so pissed off? I should be pissed off at this person if you real who allows these things to happen. And I, that was the that was the moment that I realized I wasn't an I was not an agnostic anymore, and that I wasn't atheist. Exactly. Exactly. Oh wow, that's great. What about you, Raina? Um, I, I mean, I, it was sort of a long process. Um, I had first come out when I was um, well. I I I was okay. So. I'll put it like this. <laughs> it was a long story. But I started out, I didn't really come from a really, really religious household. My mom went to church, believed in God, but was not, like, pushing me to be there. My indoctrination came primarily from my aunt and my grandmother. So when I wasn't with my aunt and my grandmother and I was home, I wasn't really, like, you know, absorbed, you know, <laughs> or, 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 you know, put, you know, I wasn't taking all that in because I wasn't, or surrounded by it anymore. But um, I I got about to be, like, 17, and I started having, like, a whole bunch of doubts because I had pretty much um, done away with all of the literal interpretations of the Bible by the time I was, like, maybe 15. So, well, really before that, but I'm just saying 15, period. Um, but when I got to be about 17, I started to... Like, by the time I was 17, I had read, like, C.S. Lewis and all of these apologists and things. So it was, it was like, when I got to be 17, I was like, none of this crap makes any sense. So I called myself an agnostic, basically, from the time I was 17. Um, and, and even that, for some of my relatives, was like, oh, my gosh, she's not a Christian. What's going to happen to her? But nobody had disowned me, thankfully. You know, everybody was pretty cool about it for the most part. Um the only, I mean, lately, though, because um, I had a, an aunt that passed away about a year ago, um, lately I've had to deal a little bit more with, you know, sort of the religious talk. Um, but, you know, everybody's known I've been an atheist at least since, like, maybe 2011. But okay. I've been an atheist probably since, like, called myself an atheist in 2009. I was I was an atheist before that, but I just resisted the label. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. yeah, I think that, you know, was one of the hardest parts for many of us, actually accepting that label and knowing what that label, the stigma that's behind that label. I think we have Judy with us. Is that you, Judy? Yes, it's me. Hi, hey. Judy. Hey, Judy. Hi. I agree 100% with the whole label thing because it kind of puts you in the category of a religionist, someone who has to have a title to explain who you are. But if you don't believe in uh, God, why do you need to explain the need of what you are to, in relation to a God? It's, it, 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 it does kind of suck, like, having to label yourself. It's like being, like, no one has to walk around calling themselves an a unicornist. You know what I mean? But it's because we live in a society that is um, that presumes that everyone is religious, you know, that you have to designate yourself that way or otherwise be lumped in, you know. But I think I mainly resisted the label because, you know, 
you you get from society like not like no one ever necessarily says this outright that atheists are bad people, but like you know you'll watch a television program and the atheist that they represent there will be like you know some kind of you know Scrooge, you know right some kind of like you know really mean person who has no love in their lives, you know, no real reason to live. You know, and so, like, you, you yeah. see that and you don't want anyone to immediately associate you with that. You know what I mean? So you're like, I, I'll be anything but an atheist. I'll be an, I'll be an agnostic, even though, it, well, you know, that's the first thing. I was calling myself an agnostic because I thought agnosticism was some kind of middle ground between theism and, and you know, atheism, which it isn't. It's just a stance on knowledge. I'm still agnostic. I just don't believe in a God. You know? Yeah, I think for me it was, um, I never resisted the label of atheist because actually one of my oldest friends in the world is an atheist, and he's a great mm-hmm. guy, and, I've, and, and, you know, he's one of the most um, knowledgeable and definitely the most honest person that I know. So I never had right. that negative association with atheists because he was the first atheist I ever knew, and I knew him, got to know him on an intimate level. We're still best friends. But... Right. Um, when I did come out as an atheist, that's when I realized that, you know, that what you're saying about people thinking, you know, you have no reason to live or you have no love in your life is definitely true because people are like, and why are you acting this way? Who hurt you? Did you just break up right. with your boyfriend or something? What? Right. Exactly. Right, right. And, and one of the first things that I heard was about church hurt. So when, that just, you know, triggered it when you said that, you know, who did what to you in the church? You know, oh, you'll be back. You're just church hurt right now. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, you never heard of church hurt? No, never. I don't think Catholic do church hurt. <laughs> Basically, when when you have believers saying that your church hurt, mainly that you either saw or something happened to you that a person in the church hurt you in some kind of way, and so now you're holding it against the whole church because of what one or two people may have done to you. So you allowed your relationship with God to suffer because of the actions of man. So that's basically right. what church hurt. So, you know, um, man didn't cause that tsunami, though. See, this is what this is what bothers me. People say stuff like this. Sure, we do a lot of bad things to each other, and putting aside the whole free will junk, which is just that junk, we are not responsible right. for natural disasters. God did that. Right. Exactly. You, you know, <laughs> um, I think my biggest problem, though, um, when I was coming up, though, is, you know, I, I'm giving, you know, I hid my I hid my atheism for quite a, quite a bit, and um, I mean, because I remember early late teens, early twenties, thinking, why why am I believing this? And I'm looking at my situation, I'm looking at you know our level of poverty, and I'm looking at the hood, and you know, and living next door to a hood when I when I moved down into a, another ghetto, a government apart um, house and everything, and seeing my grandmother, my elderly grandmother, walk to the store during the summertime in in the heat, you know, to get us food or medicine or borrow money. I'm like, I'm seeing her doing this. I'm seeing my grandfather do this. I'm not seeing a God that she attributes everything to God. God gave her the strength and everything like that. But, you know, you also ended up with breast cancer. Pop also ended up with colon cancer. And so I'm seeing all these contradictions between life and this whole spirituality that I'm supposed to have that, 
because I'm black, I have no choice but to have, and I started rejecting that, man. I mean, like, what is the point of me believing this if no matter what I believe, I'm still going to face the rigors of life just the same as everybody else? The only difference is I have someone to blame or attribute my success or failures for. That's it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how hard it was, like, sitting at my aunt's funeral. You know, you see, like, cancer is just a horrible, horrible thing. You know what I mean? Anyone who's ever watched a loved one die of cancer, you know, it is it is hard for me to imagine how one can can watch that eat away at someone and, and you know, maintain belief in God. You know, I, I saw my aunt who was, you know, strong and, you know, beautiful, you know, reduced to, you know, coughing fits, you know what I mean, and almost skin and bones, you know what I mean? And I could not understand that. And then I'm in the funeral home listening to um, a minister tell me that God needed her more. Needed her for what? Isn't God supposed to be perfect? You know what I mean? Uh, and it isn't God supposed to be, be all-powerful. Like, you have yeah. everything you want. You have everything you need. And if it, it was that desperate, he could have made a cone of her or something for him to have, like, a exactly. pet in heaven or something. <laughs> exactly. It's like another one needed, of Adam's ribs. Right. He needed, her, he needed her for his garden. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, this is ridiculous. I, I just like Alzheimer's disease, that's one of those that would – completely rule it out in my mind because if you have some kind of consciousness that exists beyond the grave, why is it people who have Alzheimer's forget everything that they were all about? Right, right, right. We have Dead Shepherd online with us. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. This is Greg calling from Nashville. Hey, Greg. Hi, Greg. This is a great conversation. Um, I'm, I'm not, I guess, technically not an atheist, but I'm, I'm totally grooving on this conversation because you guys made me think of something when I was listening to the opening and the conversation. And it's simply this. This is the thing that most of the people in the world are deeply, deeply afraid of, and it's simply this. A totally rational mind, a free-thinking and acting human being who makes decisions of their own volition – without having to belong to a group of people to do it. That's what this world is truly afraid of. Yeah, I think the, yeah, I think the term man is not an island um, really goes both ways. Yeah. I, I, it, it, it immediately implies that you can't do anything alone. Exactly. But on a subconscious level, it implies that you shouldn't do anything alone. I think this is why there's a lot, there's a lot of awe and sometimes animosity toward entrepreneurs because these people kind of, you know, made a name for themselves and made a way for themselves um, without getting into the whole nine-to-five grapple. A lot of them did not go the traditional route of attending college. And so, you know, this watch have conspiracy theories like the Illuminati. They must have been a part of some really supernaturally powerful groups to get where they are. Because right. the yeah. idea that this person achieved what they achieved based on their own talent and merit is just too hard to process. It would make you it would make you to evaluate your own life too much for comfort. Yeah, that, that's typically yeah. that's typically where people get really weird and it gets prickly on the back of their neck. Um, I think the person that opened my eyes the most as far as reading literature 
in, in, the, in the realm of atheism would be Ayn Rand. Um, and I've heard, you know, mixed emotion of who she was and what her motives were. But, you know, when I started reading some of her essays, um, especially on capitalism, and then when I found out that she was an atheist, I consider her a champion um, because I, I saw all bl- uh, black and white films. They may have been color of her on the Phil Donahue show. And she was telling the audience um, basically that the, the, the United States was addicted to martyrdom through Christianity. And she pissed off so many people when she said that. But I was like cheering. I'm like, yay, yay for you for saying that to those people. They were just – you would have thought that, I mean, an alien walked out on the stage. They were just horrified to hear that. And I was like, I am so glad you had the guts to do that. It was amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I think the book that did that for me was A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. I read that when I was 16. Yeah. And it was, you know, people basically in a, a very homogenous society that takes away any semblance of individuality and um, free or individual thoughts. And I kept seeing that played out in so many um, minor instances in different sects of life, like within different cultures, within different religions. I honestly feel like in, in, in a lot of ways, Huxley was as close as mankind ever came to having a prophet because so many of the things that he wrote about in his books were supposedly fiction um, were either happening or eventually came to pass on some scales. So I remember thinking about that book when I considered myself agnostic and how so often people that are so rational in other areas of their life, it's like they flip the switch and turn their brain off. As soon as the topic turns on their religion, especially their specific denomination, they put so much more thought into what color to paint their house or what to name their kid more than they right. ever put any thought into what, what God to, to worship. Right, 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 right. Right. I guess the question would be, you know, okay, so, you know, what, you know, Greg was saying about, you know, having an independent rational mind can, you know, be a rather scary thought to most people. I guess the question, you know, that I would have is, do you believe that to be true of leaders or the people? Because I believe that the people have been hoodwinked into believing that, you know, that they need to work collectively, that they need to believe, you know, um, what the majority thinks, and that the people that fear having an independent rational mind are those that are in leadership because then they would no longer be able to use these holy books, if you will, to control others. Do you think that they will ever come when people will come to the realization that, you know, they don't need those holy books in order to live a good, productive, civilized life? Are you asking me? Yes, you can. You can answer it. Yes. Yeah, I. In, in when we talk about the people that are really at the top of the food chain, if we just want to call it that, I think there's a mix. I think there are some who uh, believe in you know the traditional Christian God and, and the daddy running the show and all that, but I think there's some hardcore people in there that truly believe that what you experience here is it, and when you die, that's it. Um, and I think those people. Um, and I don't – it's a strong statement to say it seems to me that they would, could be more brutal um, because of the abuse that we see in the world. But I really think it's a mix, but you're right. Regardless of all that, uh, the people that are truly in control because they don't really have the power. People give them power, but they are in control. I can, I can control a wild animal in a cage. 
obviously. But once I let it loose, it's much more powerful than me physically. It can kill me very quickly. Um, but yeah, the people in power are truly afraid that if the masses realize they don't need these holy texts anymore, um, then, then definitely the shit will hit the fan as far as government and capitalism and all these other things. No doubt about it. You know, this kind of reminds me of that movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the film, um, The Book of Eli. Yeah. Oh, I hate that movie. I hate yeah, that I movie. Yeah, I hate that movie, too, and I'm going to tell you why. In the movie, I think the movie could have been phenomenal. It could have been such a great social commentary, but then it went in the opposite direction. In the film, Denzel Washington's character is is trying to get a copy of the Bible, which turns out to be his memorization of the Bible, safely to a specific destination to print it and distribute it. Meanwhile, there are forces after him to use it in order to control the masses. And he still doesn't put two and two together. And the best thing he could do for everyone is, 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 to, um, is, to, rem- is to get rid of the information altogether and never utter another word. Because he fails to understand that the reason people, that these people want this Bible so badly is because Christianity is such a perfect control mechanism. Exactly. Man, you know, you know, if I get started on uh, dissecting and ridiculing that movie, man, we'd be here for a long time, man. Anyway, you know, um, I, well, you know, I, I think that you know. It's always been like, you know, um, I don't know if it's, uh, I would consider it simultaneously a strength and a curse that humans need some type of group to belong to. You know, it, it, you know it, we all kind of congregate, you know, we, I mean, look at the names of our groups, you know, black atheists, atheists, you know what I'm saying, women, men, and stuff. There's always a group that we're uh, belonging to and whatnot. And I think the, the, the crazy thing about it is that no other group has the, the ability to control so many people like religion does. So when you see these politicians talking about God told me to run for office and everything like that, these people are eating it up. Yeah, God has told him to run for office. If God told him to run for office, he wouldn't need you to vote for him. But that's beside the point. You know, you have this guy who is a control mechanism to his advantage, and there are people eating it up. You see the same thing with with uh, um, uh, uh, Jim Jones and other people who have, you know, figured out, you know, that people need something. Masses right. want something to control them, especially when it comes to religion. Yeah, I don't think that people want to be controlled, but they want to feel like they belong. They want to feel like they're not floundering right. alone. And that, that, that need for belonging and that need for community, and in some cases that need to have others guide you in how you should be living your life because thinking about what you want might be too hard leads people right. to think that being controlled is, is, a, is a decent price to pay. Or they rationalize that they're not being controlled at all, that what they're okay. doing is making the choice to put their lives in someone else's hands. That's why that saying, let go and let God, is so popular. Um, right. And, you know, it, it transcends denominations and it transcends ethnic groups. I've heard every every religious person, I've even heard Muslims say it, let go and let God. It's one of the most pointless things that religion has in its power. I, let go and let God is basically say, give up. Like, Pretty really much. Right. Like, right. whenever someone right. says, I'll pray for you, but nothing else, 
that's literally just doing nothing and saying you did. If right. I let, and see, if I'm I let, at that point. Go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. If I let go of my job, I'm going to be out of a place to live pretty quick, aren't I? God so, will make exactly. a way, Greg. Oh, God sure he will. Yeah, sure he will. <laughs> let's, pass the plate. let's pass the plate and keep talking about that. Right. You know, you know God will make a way. You know, your praises go up, the blessings come down. I thought you knew that. Oh, you just take that wheel. Oh, I release, I release my job. And when the car crashes, that was his will. I release my That's job. Right. I release my job. <laughs> Disclaimer, no one actually wants Greg to release his job. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, but, not, but taking, taking that concept there about the letting go and letting God, you know, we're going to switch off just a little bit and, and tie it back into what we were saying earlier about the powers that be that understand religion to be a very useful tool for them. When, especially in, you know, communities of color and poor white communities, when they have that mentality of let go, let God, this is one of the reasons why, you know, in, in the past I've heard different religious people telling people not to vote, or if they do vote, this is who you vote for and this is why. And then after that, the politician will make the best decisions or the pastor will make the best decisions. But I believe that a lot of that letting go and letting God is what has led up to, you know, a lot of the apathy that we see in many of these communities. So as these humanist non-believers, what do you think we can do to galvanize people's interest, people wanting to take action, people wanting to hold others, you know, hold others responsible for their actions? What can we do? What can we say? Any suggestions, comments? Well, it's well, funny you mentioned I think that. the first thing – oh, sorry about that. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say – oh, I was going to say, I think the first thing is, is that um, – Okay, because me personally, I just have no illusions about, you know, there ever being an atheist utopia, you know. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of people who tried to create utopian societies, you know, secular and otherwise, and we've seen how they failed miserably. Right. Um, so I'm not I'm not out to convert all believers into atheists. Um, so that's the first thing I'll say. So where, yeah. I, where I think where we find people who are about um, trying to clear up these misconceptions, particularly about religion. And I I read something very interesting um, a short while ago about a very popular um, uh, misconception about a passage in the Bible, um, you know, where it tells you to turn the other cheek, right? And um, that, that... the way that it's been interpreted has been to sort of mean like, you know, accept your lot, you know, um, you know, just, you know, just turn the other cheek, you know, God will handle it, you know, God can handle people better than you can type of mentality that some folks have. But that was actually, um, that was actually sort of a, 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 um, a, a, a rebellious sort of action, because slapping someone with their right hand, with your right hand, was an indication of how much power you had over them. That was something that you you did to, to demonstrate your power. Now you, as a slave, could not raise your hand. So the only option you have 
is to turn the cheek. Well, what, what turning the cheek does is it exposes your left side. So if someone slaps you with your le- their left hand, what that signaled politically was that they were that they were on your level, or that they were on the same level as you, because the left hand is the hand that you you use for dirty things like wiping your behind. You know what I mean? So right. the you know if we if we partner, I think one of the things we have to think about as atheists, if we're interested in making the world better and not just an atheist utopia, is finding right. people who are willing to deal with those sorts of misconceptions and 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 putting them in the fore. You know. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Let's see here. We um, have the a reason- caller. Five, oh, hold on a second. I'll let you go. I just want to bring the caller in from 561. Okay. May we ask the caller? Hi, how are you doing? My name is Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. How are you guys doing this evening? Good. Good. How are you? Good. That's awesome. Um, basically, I just wanted to, you know, let me just put my foot door on real quick. Uh, basically, I just wanted to uh, to kind of support you guys. Uh, another example that I had was um, was that you know slavery was a great uprising of atheists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you try to give people a chance. Yeah. I do, but. Yeah, so I think this is Deborah on the line with us. Deborah? That was creepy. That was creepy. It was. Yeah, that was very, we get them every once in a while. Yeah, one, one, one. I had a sneaking feeling that's what that was. Okay, they're Hello? not ready to talk. We're going to put them on mute. So, yeah, um, it's just interesting. Go ahead. I think um, Emmeline or Judy was about to speak. Yeah, that was me. Um, um, what I was about to say was as far as taking responsibility, what bothers me is how a lot of Christians or religious people in general will say that, oh, you're just, you're, you just say you're an atheist so they can do whatever you want to do without any consequences. But the irony of that is that this is exactly what Christianity allows you to do. You can do whatever you want. And then if you just ask Jesus forgiveness, everything's cool. You don't have to take personal responsibility for anything. And even if the things that you do are fucked up and you don't ask for forgiveness, you can still rationalize it like, well, if God hadn't wanted me to do that, he could have stopped me because the Bible says that everything that happens is God's will. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. so being, being an atheist actually puts you, and I think, uh, like, intrinsically, a lot of believers understand this. Being an atheist doesn't just make you apart from other people, um, other believers, but it also forces you to take accountability. Exactly. Exactly. It, it forces you to take accountability for your life, for, for your actions, and, you know, it, it, it encourages you, again, to think independently and, you know, there are just a number of, you know, uh, liberating, you know, aspects of being, you know, an atheist or a non-believer. And, you know, since I've come out, you know, fully, you know, as, you know, a humanist, free thinker, you know, I just feel as though, you know, I've taken agency back over my life. I don't have to look to a Bible or consult with my religious friends on, you know, decisions that I'm making. And, you know, I lost a lot of people, you know, in my life when I became a non-believer. But 
what I will say is some of those same people were discouraging me from doing certain things in my life, and I started doing them, and I've been achieving those goals, and I've been very successful at it. So, you know, for those that are out there, you know, utilize those critical thinking skills. You're going to end up losing, you know, a couple of people. It's inevitable. But if those people aren't there for you, I mean, they weren't really your friends to begin with. But, yeah, I feel that you you liberate yourself from a lot of those shackles that, you know, that, you know, tie you down, whereas, you know, when you become a non-believer, you know, you no longer are sitting there double, triple thinking what you're going to do or if you do something that would be, um, you know, sit you in a seat of shame at church and then you go out and you do it and then you come home and you're praying all night and you're feeling guilty. You know, those are the cornerstones of religion, fear, guilt, and shame. Fear, guilt, and shame. And they utilize those to control you. So, you know, we just encourage people to, you know, understand, you know, what's happening there with the control mechanism. Yeah, definitely. Can I read a quote real quick? Sure. Um, This is a very interesting source, and I'll, I'll tell you who it is when I get done reading it. Even when one truly goes with the flow, one had better touch shore or bottom once in a while to be sure one isn't just floating in the stagnant waters of secure beliefs. I love that quote. You know, go with the flow. Just go with the flow. Let go and let God. Well, what if the flow is not going in a really good direction for me particularly? Um, then I'm in yeah. trouble. That's from John Lilly, the guy that invented the float tank back in 1954. I like that wow. quote. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Good quote. Good yeah. quote. Yeah, you know, um, you know, yeah, I, I think you know that that kind of makes me think. You know, um, I'm always you know being told about how God places you in situations that He feels you can handle, or He never He never puts someone in your path unless that person is meant to be in your path. And you know, when I see you know, when I see people saying that, it only pisses me off, especially when I look at the news and I'm seeing everything else is going on. Like, you know, uh, I guess, I guess, you know, the Native Americans, you know, I guess he placed those people who needed the American land in their path because, you know, hey, this is your test or something. I don't I don't know. But, you know, I just, I find myself just more and more, when I was reading, I think the first book that, that really, really set part in my mind questions that I should probably ask. And after this, reading this book is when I started reading the Bible itself. It was a fantasy novel called Dragonlance. And in the book, the God of evil and the God of goodness returned to do battle on the, the world that they, they, you know, they created and everything. And it was it, reading that book, and I'm like, you know, these people, these characters are dying. There's all kinds of calamity going on. And I'm thinking, why is this God allowing this to happen? And it's almost it's almost like, oh shit. And so then I started reading the Bible because it's like that was the first time I ever asked myself, why? I mean, why is this being allowed to happen? Why are these wars being allowed to happen? These people being allowed being allowed to suffer. Why does my grandmother have breast cancer and my my grandfather colon cancer? Why are these things being allowed to happen? People gonna t- gonna tell me it's a test, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. I'm not buying the test. I'm I don't give a damn about no test. If you are an immortal being and capable of suffering, 
pain, sorrow, or misery, you have no right to test those beings that do have to experience those those feelings. And I'm supposed to believe that he's gonna if she died, she needed he needed her more than I did. So it just it wasn't a rejection of anger. In anger, it was a rejection and there is no possible way that any of this stuff is supposed to help me in my life. So Guys, this is such an awesome call, but I can't stay on the line. I will be listening, though, and, uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear more of this dialogue. But happy Sunday, happy conversation, and it was so good to speak with you, um, Reina, Mario, Judy, um, Kim, and thank you for calling, Greg. i got to go, but have fun. Have a good one. Okay, have a good one, though. Well, we have a call from 714. Hi, how's it, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. you have any input for the show? Well, I was just wondering if, if you thought uh, Abraham Lincoln was in the right. Okay, you know what? Uh, These trolls good. are really getting out of control. I think they were in control from the very beginning. That was some weak shit right there. Come on now. Get, let's get creative if you're going to troll. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come, come with something I can chew on. Man, that was weak. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Exactly. (laughs) And I mean, and you know what I find interesting about that, you know, with these trolls and and Raina wrote a blog and about you know people of color, you know, needing a safe space, and this kind of you know ties in with that because when we do certain shows, you know, especially if we do a show on feminism, but when we do shows, we'll sometimes get these trolls that come out or I'll post the link in certain groups. And the first thing they want to debate about or question us about is why we need specific, you know, groups for people of color. And, you know, after we explain it to them, you know, it's still not good enough. And, you know, they try to infiltrate, you know, like what they're doing here and disrupt the conversation. But, you know, what they don't seem to understand is that we have these safe spaces for people. We have these conversations so that people can learn, people can feel comfortable, so we can encourage and support other people. And, you know, and and I understand, you know, some people are bored. You know, I've been a troll in my life as well, but we're not going to let that stop us. But, you know, um, you know, being a person of color and being in the atheist community, you know, hasn't, first of all, coming out as an atheist hasn't been easy to begin with because, you know, as we've explained in the past, you know, religion has been interwoven into many communities of color, meaning, and what I mean by that is it is now part of our culture, you know. And so when you say you're an atheist or a humanist or a free thinker, you know, you're labeled in some cases a race traitor. You're labeled, you know, you're shunned, you're ostracized, you're labeled a devil worshiper, just a number of things. And that's why we're out here and we're trying to educate people, you know, but, It's not easy coming out. And then on the flip side of that, you know, 
with some of the reception that we've gotten from different people in the community, why why should you know people of color come out as atheists and participate in the community when we are you know facing some of the same issues in you know the secular community that we face in your everyday community because the secular community is a direct reflection of you know society at large and just because you have called yourself an atheist or a humanist or a non-believer or a free thinker, that does not liberate you from these other adjectives, from these other actions. We have, you know, atheists in this community who are homophobic. We have atheists in this community that are, you know, misogynist. We have atheists in this community that are sexist. So, you know, we have people that are saying, well, I'm an atheist now. You should accept me. You should accept what I have to say. And they try to hide behind that mask, a bunch of smoke and mirrors. And no, no. No, and in those phone calls and some of the receptions and some of the responses and some of the emails and inboxes I get directly reflects that. So, you know, I've heard questions in the atheist community, the mainstream atheist community, well, why don't we have, you know, a lot of, you know, people of color in our community? Why aren't they coming out? Because there are other issues that need to be worked on. There are other issues that need to be rooted out. There are other issues that we need to talk about in addition to that. So why would someone who's of color that may be an atheist or a non-believer leave the safety of the church, if you will, to come to this community to face racism and sexism and homophobia? Why? Why to be unappreciated and underutilized? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think you know um, when I when I first became an atheist, I was under the illusion that atheists were automatically better, and I quickly learned uh, that they aren't. And the actions of other people haven't done anything to derail the fact that I don't believe in God. I just have become wiser about human nature being what it is. You know, you're gonna have assholes and homophobes and sexists no matter what. You know, um, I just think you know I think that um. Uh, um you know, it, that was an eye-opening situation, though, because it's, it, it kept me from being disillusioned that just because I'm around these people who are left religion doesn't mean that they have necessarily dropped a lot of things that, that religion um, brought to the table and or that they automatically, you know, became more enlightened. I've, I met some people who were were not homophobic, were not sexist, but they're general assholes in anyway, and, you know, and will go out their way to ridicule other people for not agreeing with them, you know. Um, I looked at the, all the, 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 the kind of negativity I got because, you know, I, you know, I did and I did still do uh, like President Obama and whatnot. And so, you know, um, to come, if you, safety only works as long as everybody's in agreement with everybody else. You know, um, the, the community that you have in a church is only based upon the fact the same thing like atheism. We only we all agree that we don't we they agree that they have religion that God is this and God is that. Even within their whole little community, they don't like each other either. They face their own they face their own discriminations and whatnot. Especially being a woman in in a, in a um, religious community, there's a lot less stuff that you ha- you have control over. You know, I see it. Like I've actually had somebody um, 
asked some a friend of mine, Did, does your pastor allow women to preach? And she like, my, my pastor doesn't allow women to, to even talk and everything. These women still go to this church. And right. so, you know, I mean, same thing with atheism. You're still going to face these people in this community, man. These, you know, I've, I'm glad I kind of learned that lesson because I think I would have been, I would have made a mistake if I had. Right. I mean, it's, exactly. you know, it's like I didn't have any illusions that, you know, that I wouldn't come across, you know, ignorance or bigotry in the atheist community. But it is, it is rather interesting that some of the same people who, you know, like to. Uh, throw around that we are all African slogan. They tend to be the most racist when you get right down to it. You know, when you when it when it comes to you know, oh, I want to have a conversation about African American free thinkers in history. You know, and they and they declare racist. You're being reversed racist. It's like no, we're just adding people to the dialogue that aren't usually talked about. You know what I mean? It's like right. we want to we want to add something to the pot. We're not taking away from you. We just we just want our stories told. See, you know? Exactly. The interesting we thing. Want our stories told. Go ahead, Greg. The interesting thing that I've observed in in my little forty four years on this dirt ball called Earth is, it I I like to just sort of think of it this way. My job is to discover more of who I may be or who I am than anything else. It doesn't mean I'm egocentric. It doesn't mean I'm self-serving and I step on people to get what I want. That's the problem in this country. We're all a bunch of egomaniacs, but yet we're told that it's bad to be an egomaniac. So there's a total conflict in the values that we live, and we wonder why people are eating Prozac like candy and eating Valium like candy because everything is in conflict. There's no continuity and, and to have an integrated value system takes tremendous discipline, and we live in a society of extremely lazy people. Exactly. And, and, and exactly. what you guys were talking about, about people saying, well, there's going to be this utopia, you know, I think everybody on this call is mature enough to know that that doesn't exist. But here's the problem, is when we peel the onion back, when we remove these layers in conversations from people, it doesn't mean we're picking on them. It just means as we speak, the layers are being peeled away. And that layer that we hang on to is something that we thought we were. Well, I'm black. Well, I'm white. Well, I'm gay. Well, I'm lesbian. Well, I'm a Baptist. Well, I'm a Catholic. And when that layer is gone, we freak the hell out because our camouflage is gone, and we can't be a chameleon anymore. And then, oh my goodness, someone may really see me for who I really am showing up as today doesn't mean that who I'm showing up as today is who I really am. It just means you took one of my layers of camouflage away, and now I resent you for that because you caused me to look at myself in a deeper, more meaningful way. And we are incredibly immature in this country in that we are not equipped typically from birth to deal with the depth of who we really are and who we really can be as functioning, rational human beings. Damn, that was deep. I, I, I like that. I mean, seriously. Yeah, we need to introspect. We need to introspect because a lot of these are social constructs, but unfortunately, you know, in America as well as Europe and, you know, other countries as well, you know, they have the same, some of the, some of the same hierarchical systems. Yeah. And at the end of the webcast, you know, we started talking a little bit about 
how religion is used to continue to perpetuate, you know, white supremacy, if you will. Um, and we've talked a little bit about colonialism in the past. And, you know, unfortunately, with Christianity in particular, it was forced on people, on, on the slaves, when they came to this country. And, you know, on the webcast, we talked a little bit about the fear, the fear that, you know, the slaves felt when they didn't want to, you know, embrace Christianity because they had their own religion that they brought with them. They didn't want to embrace Christianity, but it was beat into them. And personally, I believe that that fear has been passed down because I know quite a few people that are still attending church, but they consider themselves atheists and agnostics, but they go to church, number one, it's a safe space, you know, it's a place for them to go, if you will, every week. Um, additionally, you know, some of these churches offer services. Uh, I have a friend that has children. She goes to church because her kids go to the church school and the church daycare. She gets a discount because she's a member at that church. But she's not a believer, not even a little bit, you know. And so, you know, with the secular community, you know, when I came into the secular community, I mean, I had been a non-believer for a while, but just, actually finding this community, 2008, 2009, and I started getting involved. I had higher expectations for atheists and humanists and non-believers, and, you know, I guess that was, you know, a delusion on my behalf, but, you know, and you're right, there is no such thing as a utopia, and we do need to mature and allow our minds to grow and to understand that there is more to the world and more to life than our problems, that sometimes we have to be, you know, you know, show some empathy and see what other people are going through. And, you know, I'm one of those people. I do believe that I am my brother's keeper, but, you know, we have to figure out some of the things to clean up you know, in our own backyard, if you will, because, you know, coming out, number one, is not easy to begin with, but to come out to only be beaten down with the same bullshit that you get every day in the regular world, not knowing if that person who's, you know, uh, you know, trying to intimidate you as a believer or a non-believer, just, you know, we have to do better. We have to do better before we can think deeper and point out some of these issues and start, you know, getting at the root of some of these other issues or, like you say, you know, peeling, you know, the, the layers of the onion back. You know, before we get to the center or the pearl of that onion, there's a whole bunch of layers that we have to peel away. But as we peel them away, you know, we have to deal with that specific issue. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um when you talked about it, I feel it's very important that people understand history. There's a lot to be learned there. Um, and, and I'm not trying to sidetrack the conversation. I just wanted to inject this in because you did talk about uh, people that were enslaved being, you know, Christianity being forced on them. The word Christopher, when we're, well, let's talk about Christopher Columbus very briefly. Uh, he was a conquistador. That means he came under the auspices of the queen with, with might with brutality and with financing. He didn't discover America. He had maps before he showed up. Now, I want to focus on the word Christopher. It means Christ offer. When he showed up, he brutalized the indigenous people. He had a Bible in one hand and a sword in the other. And he gave you an offer. And if you didn't accept the offer, then you died by the sword or you became his slave. And most people don't understand that. It's very simple. 
Christopher means Christ offer. Here's the Bible. You either take it or you leave it. And unfortunately, um, the American Indians weren't the only ones who were treated that way. And we're, uh, many people are still treated that way today. It's just done in a non-physically brutal manner. It's done in a psychically brutal manner. It's done in a mentally brutal manner. And it's just as oppressive and brutal and terrible. You just don't physically see the effects immediately in terms of someone actually being physically killed. And, you know, some, you know, some of the examples of that are third world countries that these missionaries are going to. And again, you know, these countries are filled with people of color. And they're basically being told, well, we won't give you food or water until you sit down and listen to our sermon. And accept Christ, you know, and you see what's happening over in Uganda and, you know, other places as well. But, yeah, you know, but when it comes to, you know, people of color, you know, again, coming out as an atheist is hard, you know, to begin with. And there are a lot of different, you know, systemic and institutionalized, you know, you know, issues that need to be dealt with. But, you know, when in coming out as a person of color in the atheist community, and especially one that believes in social justice and going out into these communities and working with them and trying to assist them and support them, you know, one of the things that, you know, I've realized is that we're going to have to forge a relationship with, you know, the community of believers to work, you know, um, in some of these communities because they hold the, pool, the bully pulpit, if you will. But, you know, not a lot of people that are wanting to come out as atheists, especially people of color, because in the Latino community and in the black community in particular, um, basically, um, you know, religion has a stronghold. Religion has a stronghold, and trying to break loose from that stronghold and still get the cooperation that that's needed, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to get because, you know, it's to their discretion. And it's just interesting. But, yeah, you know, people of color coming out as atheists, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy choice. But now that the, the community is growing and you know, the past few years we've seen an explosion of people, you know, people of color in, in this community, and we just need to move forward and work together. And, you know, I'm just, you know, personally I'm relieved. I'm relieved to see more people coming out. I'm relieved to see more people being, um, you know, active in the community. And, you know, conversations like this need to be had. You know, people need to know that they're not alone. Um, Raina. Are you there right now? Yes, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I guess my question to you would be, you know, what advice would you give to, a, you know, a person of color who's wanting to come out as an atheist or a humanist and free thinker or what have you? What advice would you give to them? I mean, would you tell them to read certain books or, you know, what would you tell them? Um, I'm afraid I'd I mean, I certainly think that Dr. Sakibu Hutchinson's books are worth reading. Um, Donald Wright's book is worth reading. Um, Norm Allen is worth reading. Um, You could read, you know, um, James Baldwin, you know, I mean, Franz Fanon. I mean, you could read read just about anything. I mean, 
the thing is, is just sort of to have an open mind and, um, you know, it, you know, follow your interests, you know. Um, like Emmeline said before, you know, if you're asking a question, it's a question that you need to, um, it's a question you need to answer, you know. It's, a, it's, right. it's something that you need to do for yourself. Um, so do it, you know. Um, don't be afraid and don't let other people scare you, you know. Right. You know, I say continue to ask questions, continue to utilize your critical thinking skills, continue to do your research, continue to do all of those things. You know, never stop questioning. Never stop yeah. questioning anything. Even when you come into this community, you still need to continue to utilize those critical thinking skills and continue to question and to challenge. And, you know, but you also have to be open-minded enough to know and to understand that, you know, uh, that you're still open to learning. Because, you know, mm-hmm. we're still learning every day. We're still evolving. And that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, when I released my you know, religious shackles, if you will, was I no longer was of the mindset that everything that I needed to know was in that Bible. You know, and and, and once I let that go, you know, it encouraged me to research and to learn and to do more. You know, I feel that I'm a little bit more philanthropic now as a non-believer than I was as a believer because I was only going to give a certain amount that was asked for, that's it, and that's all. And, you know, the whole thing is, you know, is, is you have a community of people out here. We're growing. We're getting bigger. We're, you know, trying to bring together some programs, some support groups and everything so that we can talk more and, you know, help people. And, you know, I just want to make sure they know that they're not alone out here. It's important for you to know that there's a whole community of us. And, no, we're not a monolith. You know, not everybody thinks the same. Not everybody feels the same way about everything. And you're going to have a variety of different opinions and, you know, but we want you to be an individual. You decide what's best for you, you know, and, you know, it's just it's been really interesting, especially the past two, three years, you know, working with people and utilizing people. And someone in the chat room said, don't allow anyone um, to emotionally or psychologically blackmail you. And, you know, they saw that when they were going to church. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you'll see some of the same thing in this community, which is why I'm saying to utilize those critical thinking skills and, you know, continue to question things because, you know, some of the same behavior that you saw from religious people, you're going to see some of the same behavior in the secular community. So that's why, you know, we're peeling away at that onion, if you will, when we're talking about a utopian society. You know, people are people. And people were manipulative. Go ahead, Mario. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry, it's that delay and everything. Um, um, you know, you know, and I, I do, you know, you know, we were talking about, you know, um, how atheists, you know, they have their own their issues going as well. And you know, the thing, the thing though, is that when I'm in these groups, right? I'm in some Christian groups, and um, some of these people are fanatical as hell. Like one guy truly believes that. Lee Harvey Oswald was an assassin hired by God to kill JFK because, you know, JFK took the Bibles out of schools. And he really believed that mess. And, it's, you know, 
I, you know, it makes me realize that as bad as atheists are, you can never get an army of atheists to go on a, a, a religious war or something like that. You, it, you know, you get believe, get giving up believers a holy reason to go to war or to believe something really wacky, and they will full on believe it. So, I mean, I, I think we do have a slight edge on the rationality front, but yeah, we definitely have our our issues as well. And I try to. You know, on my statuses, you know, I mean, I know it might be a little of nothing, but I'm not going to sit here and act like we're the cream of the crop simply because we don't believe either. And so it, that's why I love this, this show and the commenters on this show and the people I know, the friends I know. It, you know, it gives me so many, so much variety and not only people and personalities, but perspectives and how everyone came to their atheism, how everyone deals with their atheism, how everyone deals with peop- other people in their atheism. And it makes me more, much more of a, it gives me more of a feeling that we are really, truly, you know, saying, awakened and doing the right thing here by letting go of the mob mentality that religion gave us. Right. Right, and you know, and you know, I'm glad you brought up that mob mentality, that groupthink, you know, and you know, it's important for you to understand that, you know, some of that happens over on the secular side as well. But you know, the main thing we want to do is, you know, let you know that it's okay to not believe. It's okay to not believe. Um, you know, you come out when you feel comfortable. You know, of, you know about coming out as an atheist or a non-believer. And I really truly believe that many of us, you know, go through these different stages. And I know when I first came out officially, you know, as an atheist, if you will, I was angry. Okay, and so that's why I don't really get too upset about the trolling and the trolls because I used to be one. And I used to go to religious blogs and other places, and I would troll them and give them such a hard time, you know, and I've apologized for that since then, but that's because I grew as an individual. And as you are engulfed more and more in this community and you read more and you do more research and you come into your own and, you know, you take ownership, you know, of your mind, you take ownership of your ideology, your belief system, or lack of belief system, you know, you have no choice but to grow and evolve. And, you know, I've seen a lot of growth in a lot of people, you know, some of the people that are first um, newcomers, if you will, to the atheist community, and even some of the people that have been here for a while, because you'll never know everything. There's always room for improvement. There's always room for growth. And, you know, we just encourage you to reach out to someone. You know, they have different groups out here. And you have different people of different mindsets. So we just say be discerning about, you know, who you associate with and what you allow to permeate your brain there. But, you know, coming out, you know, has not been easy for, you know, quite a few of us, especially those of us that came from religious backgrounds. And, you, me personally, I'm just talking about me, I'm still deprogramming myself. I'm still shedding a lot of, you know, my 
religious indoctrination. And because in this country, in America, because you have a lot of people who are trying to basically perpetuate the myth that this is a, you know, a, a country that was founded on Christian principles, um, it's, it's so ingrained in our everyday, you know, um, living. So it takes a while, and after a while you'll start recognizing certain things. Oh, that's of religious origin. So, you know, we're just telling you we know it's not easy. It takes time, and, you know, we just encourage you just to be yourself and, you know, go on out here and, you know, learn a little bit. Even if you can't come out officially and tell the whole world that you're an atheist or a humanist or what have you, you know, there are different blogs out there. There are books, you know, like Raina mentioned Dr. Hutchison's book, uh, Moral Combat and Godless Americana. Um, Don Barbera, who was on the show um, on the webcast earlier, he had the 80% solution. He also had Black But Not Baptist. And then Michael Lackey had Black Atheists in America. You, you know, that's a wonderful book, too. And I did a three-part series on that. So, you know, you have the archives to this show. There are a lot of other podcasts out there. You know, we don't bite. You can email us. You can reach out to us. You can inbox us. And, you know, we'll be happy, you know, to have a discussion with you. But we just mainly want you to know that you're not alone. There are a lot of resources out there. And, you know, we're growing. And there are groups popping up all over the country. And so, you know, look out for that. But, you know, we're bringing more support to you guys. We're bringing, you know, more venues. And so, you know, bear with us. But in the meantime, there are outlets. But the main thing we want you to do is take agency of your life. Take control of your life. Take control of your thinking. Take control of your emotions. Do not allow people to continue to emotionally, you know, manipulate or emotionally blackmail you because they want you to continue on going to church even though you don't believe in it and you don't want to go. You know, you're an adult. Um, you know, you... Sure, go ahead. I didn't mean to, to cut you off. Um, sure. Another Another thing you just made me realize in terms of, um, you know, coming out, so to speak, and in the you know the fairy tale of, of religion, whatever it is, whether it's I'll just say Christianity, that just happens to be the most common one in my upbringing. Um, there's another fairy tale that's really tough to deal with out there in the secular community, and that's the fairy tale of how this country was founded. And you mentioned it. Um, and I would like to recommend to your listeners reading a gentleman who uh, was extremely well learned back in the I believe it was the early part of the century. Highly educated, his name was Lysander Spooner, and he has an essay called The Constitution of No Authority. And he completely explodes the myth that you are under this constitution, that it is the law, and it's just an amazing treatment. Uh, and he was an attorney, he was a lawyer. Um, but that's a whole myth in and of itself, and it's really a religion. I know this is a double whammy. I know people who are hardcore Christians and extremely patriotic. That's deeply ingrained training from birth, and that's, that takes a lot of undoing. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying when you're talking about, and I love that you admitted, you know, hey, I'm still deprogramming. We're talking about from cradle to grave for most people, and that is deeply embedded in the subconscious. So I really appreciate you saying that, that you're still deprogramming. That's important. Yes. 
yes, you know, because I don't want anyone to be, to think that I've been an atheist for, you know, three, four years or 10, 20 years and, you know, I, I still have these thoughts or, you know, now I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, I was driving um, the other day and we had a little snowstorm up here in Chicago and we had some black ice. And, you know, this isn't the first time I've slid on black ice, but, you know, my first response every time is Jesus. And then a cuss word comes out after that. I don't know if I'm cussing because I'm still trying not to slide on the ice or am I cussing because I said Jesus first. But, you know, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is deeply ingrained. It's yeah. deeply ingrained, and it takes a while, and it takes yeah. a while. So, you know, we don't want you to feel as though you're not, you know, measuring up. You know, it, it, it's something that we all go through. And, again, because it's, you know, ingrained in our society, I mean, it's hard to get away from it. It's hard to get away from it, and especially with the political climate that we have in this country and, you know, the culture wars, and it's, it's just a number of different things. But, yeah, you know, again, do not allow yourself to be manipulated by others. And, you know, especially, you know, like, you know, um, Greg stated earlier about, um, you know, when he referenced something that I spoke on earlier about it being ingrained in our culture from, you know, the cradle to the grave. You know, it is. It is, and it takes a while, and because it has such a stronghold on our community that, you know, when you say that you're a non-believer, the first thing some people want to do is run away from you in fear. It's like your head, you know, exploded and you're on fire. And, you know, um, try not to take it personal. I don't, and especially if this is someone that, you know, cared about you, that was a friend or a family member, try not to take it personal. They fear what they do not understand. And that's one of the reasons why many of us came out, not only as atheists, but came out and put ourselves in the public eye, if you will, is because we want you to see and to know that there are people just like you, not the stereotypical um, you know, ideation of, you know, what an atheist is. You know, you know, this is a big community. You have a myriad of different people in it. But um, just getting out here and showing that, you know, there are different faces of atheism, different shades of atheism, if you will. Um, there are those of us out here that are kind, that actually want to work in a community, that, you know, bear no ill will, if you will, with believers. You know, it's like I don't have a problem with believers. I just don't accept their Bible. You know, I don't accept their God. That's the only difference. But, you know, there are a lot of things we have more in common than we have differences. And so, yeah. you know, I just want people to understand that. And it took a while for me to get to this point. So, you know, it is a growing process. It is a learning process. And there's nothing wrong with you. You know, these are very, you know, normal changes that we go through. Correct, Raina? Oh. Yes? I'm here. Sorry. Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? So, okay, I didn't know if yeah, you could hear me. I apologize. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I didn't have a comment. You you called me. I'm sorry. Right, because I was wanting you to comment on what I had said. But um, basically, you know, I was talking about how, you know, um, <laughs> how we're on um, basically 
as we grow in, you know, this community, as we evolve, as, you know, we learn more that, man, I lost my point, as we grow, as we evolve more in this community that, you know, there are stages that we go through. And basically, you know, I was talking about how, you know, some people out there may feel as though there's something wrong with them because one, two years later, 10, 12 years later, that they still may have, you know, some religious thoughts or may say something that's, you know, um, religious-based or what have you. But I was talking about how it takes time for us to deprogram ourselves and how this is, you know, interwoven, you know, into our Western culture, but especially if you come from, you know, a community of color. Yeah. No, uh, agreed. I mean, it's like um like I don't believe in Christ, but I have a we have a tradition in my family of how we celebrate Christmas and I'm not giving that up, you know. I mean, there's a couple of things that, you know, in this world that I, you know, that I really enjoy with my family, and one of those is um traditional holiday meals. And, um, you know, we do things a little bit different. You know, we like to stay up till midnight and uh, and drink, you know, drink all night <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> tell jokes and talk shit. You know what I mean? And that's what we like to do, <laughs> you know, on right. Christmas Eve. And I don't want to give that up. So, you know, um, you know, even though I'm an atheist, um, I'm going to be somewhere on Christmas Eve. So yeah, the thing is, atheist, yeah, atheist means non-belief, you know, no belief in God. And so, it's, you know, in a lot of cases, that is the only thing that we have in common with some other people. You know, you know, other people, we have, you know, other issues that we have in common, if you will. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, quite a few, you know, non-believers that celebrate Christmas. I mean, if you invite me over for a Christmas meal, I'm not exactly going to say no, especially, especially if I know the food is going to be good. So, I mean, that's how that goes. But, you know... You know, everybody is an individual. You know, there is no right way or wrong way to be a non-believer or an atheist. You know, that's that's your own personal, you know, um, journey there. But, you know, Joy in the Room, she says that, you know, atheists, we represent, you know, believers' doubts vocalized, and that scares them in a way that they want to shut us up or silence us. And that is correct, and that's one of the issues, you know, that we've experienced on a number of different issues, especially in, you know, communities of color, that culture of silence and, you know, culture of silence and stigmatization, you know, those are things that, you know, we have to dismantle. And, you know, again, you know, as Greg was saying about peeling the onion away, you know, one layer at a time, you know, that's important to do. And that's why we have these podcasts. That's why we're having the webcast. That's why, you know, we're building, you know, these communities because, you know, we're trying to break that silence. We're trying to dismantle those stigmas. We're trying to let people know that it's okay to be you. This is why we talk about, you know, slut shaming, why we talk about fat shaming, why we talk about, you know, respectability politics, so on and so forth. You know, we want you to understand, because, see, some people don't even really understand what they are. So we try to break it down in a way that people can understand and then understand why it's not cool. Because, you know, you know, the victimization and the re-victimization, you know, someone that's 
the survivor of rape should, you know, and I'm talking about a woman that's a survivor of rape, should not be said, well, you shouldn't have worn that outfit or you shouldn't have been at that person's house at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, she's being re-victimized. And so, you know, again, that goes back to, like I said, you know, that, you know, stigmas. And then that also entails violence as well because there are a lot of people that won't report that type of activity because they don't believe that anybody would believe them, and and then they feel as though they would be blamed. And I'm not just talking about rape. I'm talking about a number of different issues there. So, again, you know, it's important that we come out here. And also, you know, one of the things that kind of sticks in my craw you know, there's more to life than trolling Christians. There is more to life than, you know, um, cutting and pasting, you know, humorous and, and amusing Bible scriptures. There's more to life than just talking about atheists, A, B, C, D, and E. You know, we have other issues, you know, prevalent issues that need to be tackled and dealt with. And that's one of the reasons why you'll see quite a few of us talking about social justice and social justice issues because, you know, in in some white communities, you know, they don't have the problems that many of us have in communities of color. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard for them to relate when we're talking about um while we love math and science, you know, that is not a high priority for us when we're trying to figure out how we're going to pay the rent, how we're going to, pay, you know, feed our children for the rest of the month when, you know, any type of social net, you know, um, like maybe food stamps that we get, you know, by the time the 21st rolls around, all the food stamps are gone, all the money is gone, but we still have nine more days to the end of the month and you get your next check. So, you know, these are different issues that need to be dealt with. So that's one of the reasons why you'll see groups um, that are, you know, uh, ethnically based, if you will, is because, Mm -hmm. you know, there are things that need to be tackled and dealt with and talked about that, you know, people who have gone through it can can get a better understanding. And we have no problems educating other people about what's happening. But one of the issues that come in and one of the problems is with some people, you know, their white privilege overrules their common sense. And what I mean by that is because they've never been through certain things, they can't necessarily relate. And I've had people accuse me of making things up, and it's like, no, it's not made up. And then we'll ask another person of color, and and they will basically confirm what I had said. But it's just it's interesting. You know, being in this community has shown me a lot. I've learned quite a bit, as has Raina. Yeah, I have. I've learned a lot being in this community as well. It's um, It's been interesting, I must say. But I, I'm most pleased that I was able to come across Kim and this podcast and um, and to partner with her and um, and Donald and, and Sakiu Hutchinson. That's been a really, really fortunate sort of um, set of events. So. Very good, very good. And so, again, 
you know, we're just letting you guys know that coming out, there's no shame in coming out. There's no shame in being an atheist. There's no shame in being a humanist or a free thinker or a non-believer. You know, um, when we were talking earlier on the webcast, we talked about, um, you know, mental health issues. You know, we talked about LGBTQ issues. Um, what was the other one that we talked about, Raina? Um And, you know, we were just saying that, you know, these particular issues, there are stigmas attached to it. And, you know, we have to dismantle that. And, you know, it's getting better, but we have a long way to go, and that's why, you know, we're teaming up with people that are progressive and that want to get out into the community and so that we can help the community at large because, I mean, you know, if you have a big old gash on the side of your leg, um, you know, a little Band-Aid is not going to cover that. So, you know, we have to get to the root of the issue and deal with the actual problems. So, you know, again, we don't want to paint the picture that, you know, coming out as an atheist or being an atheist, humanist, what have you, is, you know, this great and wonderful thing. You know, it's, it's liberating in a lot of ways. But, yeah, it could but turn out that way. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, like I had built up in my mind that it was going to be, you know, the one of the worst things you know, in the world. And I'm sure I, that there are some people who have, you know, distanced themselves from me, you know what I mean, because of it. Fortunately, they're not people that I was particularly close to to begin with, you know what I right. mean? But pretty much anyone that I was close to, you know, anyone that I really cared about, um, you know, they've, you know, they've remained close, you know. Um, they may they may differ with me. They may think, you know, that I... Um, you know, that it might be to my benefit to come back to the church or whatever. You know, they can think that. Um, but fortunately for me, you know, I don't I don't experience that all the time. Like, I don't, you know, say hello to, like, my members of my family, and they'd be like, hey, we're going to come to Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, you know yeah. how, like, some people will try to throw that into conversation. Like, you know, you know, you're talking about, you know, the snowstorm, and they're like, yeah, you know, thank Jesus, you know, we didn't have any problems, you know, have you have you thanked the Lord lately? It's like, no. <laughs> you know, I haven't exactly. done that, but, you know, I, I don't really experience that often, thankfully. Um, people who care about me still care about me, they accept it. Even my, my aunt, who is, like, you know, very involved in her church, you know, um, you know, it, you know, she's a counselor, a Christian counselor and everything, you know, she, you know, she just accepts that this is a part of my journey, whatever my journey may be. You know, right? So. Exactly, exactly. And Travis said in the chat room, they don't get to blame our unbelief for their actions, and that's you know one of the things that um, we kind of hit on a little bit on the webcast, but we didn't really go into you know going into it too deep. But you know, one of the interesting things about being a believer is you know, if it goes well, thank you, God. If it doesn't go well, well, if that was God's will. So, you know, either way, you know, there's an out to that particular issue or problem. But, you know, again, we're getting there slowly but surely. You know, things are getting better. We have more people coming out in the community. We have more people stepping forward to be leaders in this community, and that's what is needed. You know, we need people that can, 
you know, be leaders and encourage others and, you know, but most importantly, believe in yourself because um, at the end of the day, you know, if you can't believe in yourself, if you can't stand on what you believe in or, you know, cover every inch of ground um, yeah, that you stand on, you know, you know, what good does it do? What good does it do? So that's why, again, we give you information. We give you tools, if you will, especially if you're um, a friend of mine on my webpage or if you're, um, if you like the Black Freethinkers public page. You know, I post those links so that you can arm yourself with knowledge so that you can grow as an individual, you know. And, you know, we post a variety of different articles on a variety of different subjects. And we just want you to grow as an individual, you know, um, and, you know, basically just be you. We like you for who you are. We're not going to always agree. You know, there are people who don't agree with me. There's a lot of people who don't agree with me, but I'm okay with that. I really am. But, you know, we just, again, thank you guys for all of your support. We thank you for the encouragement and the motivation because we're motivated by you. We're motivated, you know, what we see. You know, sometimes I'll go into one of these groups and watch the conversation, and, you know, people will inbox me or email me, and, you know, we would, you know, commence to converse in some fashion. And, you know, I learned a lot from you all. And so, you know, basically we just we're just telling you that, there's a big community of us, and it's getting better. It's getting better. And so we'll continue to bring you all these podcasts. We'll continue to bring the webcasts. Again, we'll have the virtual online conference um, taking place on Valentine's Day weekend, so the 14th through 16th, um, all three days. And our physical conference will be taking place in Los Angeles, October 11th and 12th. So that will be at CFI LA, and, you know, it's a lot of wonderful things coming up. Oh, the Day of Solidarity for Black Nonbelievers. That will be taking place the last Sunday in February of 2014. It's always the last Sunday. And, you know, it's an event that takes place once a year in which we encourage nonbelievers to get together, even if it's only two people, to get together and go out and have a cup of coffee and, you know, talk about whatever. You know, it's just it's, it's encouraging people to get out, encouraging people to get to know one another. It's encouraging people to, you know, embrace, you know, your liberation from, you know, uh, you know from indoctrination, if you will. So, you know, we're encouraging everyone to participate in some capacity. There will be some cities that will have larger events, but, you know, even if it's only a couple of you, you know, I know the first year um, in Florida, one of the uh, participants, you know, someone drove from, you know, a few cities over. They drove a couple of hours to sit with him and to join him and to have solidarity with him. So, you know, we just encourage you guys to, you know, try to get out every once in a while, um, try to, you know, converse with someone, you know, in the community. We'll be happy to send you materials, you know, some links, you know, to kind of help you out. But, yeah, you know, you know, we just want you to think for yourself, you know, and that's what we're here to do, to challenge you to think and live for yourself. You know, in a chat room they're talking about think-shaming. Yeah, you know, you have the thought police out there. 
And, again, that's why we're saying there's no necessarily right way or wrong way to be an atheist. Atheist just means lack of belief. You don't believe that there is a God. You know, you reject, well, I won't say you reject God, but the only thing atheist means is a lack of belief in God. You know, because you have theists, atheists out here. So, you know, I don't want to marginalize that particular group. But, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. If you celebrate Christmas, you know, hey, go for it. If you celebrate, you know, your birthday, go for that as well. So, you know, we just want you to encourage to be, you know, encourage you to be an individual. Be you. Be yourself. And if you celebrate Christmas, I'll give you my P.O. box so you can send me some stuff because I like Christmas presents. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so if I could um, inject a small word of encouragement to anybody, especially if you're young and maybe you're sort of in the closet and you're thinking about coming out as we've referred to it, um, simple words of truth. You've heard these a million times. I didn't invent any of these. Truth does not need to be defended. It's, it, I've done this myself when I came into a new way of believing. I was like, man, I need to tell everybody about this, and I really need to get out there. And it took me a while to learn that you know, not necessarily everybody in the world wants to hear what it is that I have discovered about the world. Um, so truth doesn't need defending. We don't need another hero. We don't need any more martyrs. We need you to think for yourself and to never stop asking questions. And my final piece of advice would be, don't believe everything you think. There you go. There you go. That falls into something that I've said for a long time. Perception is not necessarily reality. That's right. So, so yeah, we encourage you, do your research, think for yourself, live for yourself. You only have one life to live, and we encourage you to live it for yourself. I posted an article either last week or the week before, and it was talking about grief. And that's a conversation that I've seen going around in the atheist community about, you know, how do you deal with death? How do you deal with grief? And, you know, one of the points that was very poignant in that particular article was basically, you know, you no longer, once you become a non-believer and atheist, when that person, you know, passes on when they die, that you no longer can make that person happy. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of believers, you know, believe that that person may have gone to heaven or hell, if you will, but yet they still say, well, you know, she or he always encouraged me to go back to school, so I'm going to go back to school because I know that's what he'll want to make that person happy. And as, you know, a non-believer, well, we know when a person dies, that's it. That's the end of life. And so we lose the ability to make that person happy. What I'm saying to you is make yourself happy. The only person you have to prove anything to, and this is just my opinion, is yourself. Is yourself. So... You know, guys, um, we just thank you. And, you know, we appreciate you. Do you have any parting words of wisdom, Raina? Um, just that, you know, being out as a non-believer or, um, or whatever you want to be is, um, is just part of, you know, being authentic to yourself and, you know, treating yourself well. And you only have, as far as you know, one life to live, you know? 
So yes. might as well live it, you know, and and you know be happy and and as authentic as you can in it, you know, because you don't get another shot at it, you know. Exactly. One life to live. You know, I used to watch that when I was little, but that's another story. Anyway, hilarious. <laughs> so we thank you. We thank you for supporting the webcast. We thank you for supporting the podcast. And we are out next week, the airing of grievances. So, you know, Festivus for the rest of us. Take care now.